Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I am so excited to be with you here tonight. And what is amazing to me is that this place feels like home. From the moment I walked in, I thought to myself, I think we have the same carpet. And uh, uh, we have like the same baseboards and the same walls, and and I love that. Um, I'm really excited to get to spend some time with you. And I just want to honor just a few people to start off. I want to start by honoring Pastor Mark. And I've had the privilege of getting to know him. Uh, over the past couple months, um, as he said, and you have incredible visionary leadership. And I just feel like the Lord wants you to know that the best is yet to come. And uh, I really believe that because you trust the Lord so much, he trusts you in return. Um, And so it's just been awesome to get to know him and his family a little bit. That's been really fun. And then I had an amazing dinner with Pastor Kathy and Anne. And that was amazing. Uh, It was lots and lots of fun to hear some of their story and hear all that God's doing here. I got to hear the story of Pastor Steve and how Pastor Steve joined this team. And amazing. And such incredible um, humility and obedience that it took. And I think, Steve, the word over your life is that simple obedience changes the world. And so I just want to bless you to give that away to the next generation, to say yes to Jesus in those moments. You guys know how to worship, okay? And I want to thank that worship team for like ushering us into the presence of God, centering us. I love the hunger that I can feel in this room. It is a Thursday night, in case you did not know. And you are here, and you are going after God because you are chasing after him. Now you're chasing after him because he actually found you. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he loved you first. And because of his great love for you, you get to chase after him. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. Each of us is actually invited to live on fire for God. We are invited to actually pursue the kingdom of God and everything that the kingdom of God has with our whole lives, with fiery conviction. You know what I found, though? Certain seasons, it's just easier to be on fire for God, isn't it? Certain seasons lend themselves to being on fire. When I was a teenager, tender teenager, I had something kind of amazing happen in my life. It was the early 1990s, and something called the Toronto Renewal happened. Does anyone anyone have any context? Okay, so some of you do. Let me just explain. So... What was happening was that in Toronto, uh, the Holy Spirit was like being poured out in great measure. And there were manifestations of the Spirit and people were getting healed. And that really began to affect many vineyard churches. And our church was one of those churches that was affected. And so we just began to see crazy things of the Holy Spirit. And what our church did was we would hold these extra meetings during the week because like the Holy Spirit was doing so much stuff. We were like, well, we got to gather people. And... um, I laugh at the names my parents named these meetings. Okay, the first one was Acts Live. Like, come and see what happened in the book of Acts. I was like, okay, okay. The second time, they named it Joel's Place from the prophecy from Joel. So, you know, you tell your friends, well, I'm going to Acts Live tonight, or I'm going to Joel's Place tonight. And we were seeing these incredible manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Now, the town thought we were crazy. 
Well, actually, they thought we were a cult or they thought we were a winery, but actually neither of those was true. We were just a group of really hungry people um, who were hungry for the Holy Spirit. We were on fire for God. And you know, here I am, a tender teenager, and I'm seeing all these amazing things. I'm seeing prophecy. I'm seeing people get slain in the Spirit, like laying on the ground. I'm seeing people get physically healed, emotionally healed. I mean, I'm just seeing crazy things. I mean, in youth group, we used to brag to each other. Did you have FT tonight? Floor time? Yeah, I did. And so at this very tender age, I, I, I experienced what it was like to be on fire for God. And it was incredible. Now, eventually, the Toronto renewal, it died down, and we had to learn to live a more normal lifestyle without getting zapped by the Holy Spirit every single night. So that was a, that was a, that was a season where... You know, being on fire for God, though, was really easy. Now, of course, other seasons really lend themselves to our fires being dampened. I know a lot of people who have a lukewarm or cold faith right now. And their faith seems to produce no fire. Now, it's no secret to any of you um, that the last few years of disruption and chaos and circumstances um, have accelerated the deconstruction of many people's faith. So many of my friends are leaving the faith, and it grieves me deeply. You know, I've, I've also watched a lot of friends, you know, what they're doing is they're making faith fit into their life. It's like they're at a buffet of faith, and they think it's an a la carte situation. And they're like, I'll take a little bit of this and a little bit, but none of that. And you know what's happening? They're totally dissatisfied because that is not actually the gospel. So they're selling themselves short, and they're confused as to why they feel unsatisfied. They're confused as to why they are lukewarm or even cold. People are choosing to live on their own terms. And let's be honest, everything is being questioned in this day and age. You know, faith is often seen as archaic and antiquated. You know, I've talked to people who've just said, like, you know, like, faith is what we needed before we understood science. Like, before, like, science could answer these questions for us. And I want to say to those people that actually, faith and science should work together, not in opposition to one another. And yet, many, many people, they're questioning everything. You know, they're saying, you know, do we really need to have a higher source of authority? You know, my truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. Do what makes you happy. And what ends up happening is that in frustration and fatigue, people are lured into this fake premise. They're promised true freedom if they just stop believing. Do what you want whenever you want to. Your truth is your truth. Nothing is universally good or bad. You should do what makes you happy and free. In fact, happiness is the actual goal of life. And many, many people have bought into this lie. Our culture encourages us to reject having a higher authority. Again, that's seen as old-fashioned and archaic. Authority, they think, should come from within. The self should be the reason and the reasoning um, boundary maker in our lives because you should do what makes you happy. And gosh, if this does not have a chokehold on our culture, and unfortunately, it is affecting many people of faith. We're drinking the Kool-Aid along with people. You know, we're thinking, you know, I think maybe I do know best about my life. And this is a recipe for lukewarmness. So I know this couple, committed Christians, 
They were raised in total dysfunction. They meet Jesus, totally get their lives transformed. They have their own family, and they have a dream um, to create like marriage and parenting resources. And they're like, you know, this is the thing we want to go after. We want to help grow healthy families. And I'm like, yes, we need this, right, in this broken world. Well, over the last few years, something shifted. This couple that were deeply committed, small group leaders, ran events, you know, came to church every, every weekend. They, they were generous with their time and their energy and their resource. They were generous with it all. They, they kind of started to detach over the last few years. And suddenly we weren't seeing them as much. And, and we reached out and they're like, oh no, we're just, you know, we're busy. Oh, you know, oh the kids, oh the kids. And eventually they stopped coming. And I found out they decided to go to a, an easier church. A church that didn't require them to participate. This is going to cost us something. Being on fire for God is going to cost us something. Because he is the one who guides our life. He is the one who directs us. We don't do things to make it easy for ourselves. We submit to him. And this is hard. This is painful. This is painful as a pastor. And it's just honestly painful as a person. I want to see people on fire for God. I want each of us to live in the fullness that Jesus has for every single one of us. Now, this should not shock us, this story, because it's all too familiar. All too familiar. What's the result of people choosing to live this way? Well, I don't know if you've talked to people lately, but lots of people are miserable. They're miserable. Have you noticed that a lot of people have become more apathetic and dull during this season? I've noticed a lot of people, and I'm 40, and we have four kids, and I've noticed a lot of younger parents, like in or, you know, middle-aged parents, I should say, there's just like, there's like a fatalistic, like, well, what's going to happen next? Might as well just, you know, it's all, you know, going downhill anyway. Might as well do what I want. People have become apathetic. They've lost their vision for what God wants to do in and through them. And, and you know, like statistically, the pandemic actually increased anxiety and depression by 25%. And that was on top of already pretty high numbers. Many people are miserable when they choose to live the way the world tells them to live. This whole thing, this whole idea that like we get to do what we want, your truth is your truth, live the way you want, take the pieces of faith you want, you, it's affected the temperature of our faith. I think we have to be honest. Now, to the naked eye, sometimes we can't see, right? Because you talk to someone and you interact with someone and they see, you seem like, oh, they seem great. They, don't, they, they seem like they're doing fine. Just this past weekend, I was praying at our, on our ministry line. This young guy comes up to me. He looks really sharp, totally dressed like fresh or whatever the kids are saying these days. And, and I am like, okay, like, what is, what, what is this sweet young man want prayer for? And he's like, well, I'm desperate. And I said, oh. He said, in the past four days, I got a DUI, I lost my job, and I got kicked out of my apartment. Welcome to the vineyard, where we welcome broken people because we know the one who can make you whole. You see, I think a lot of people, they are projecting this image like everything's good, everything's fine, but on the inside, they are dying. 
They are struggling. And what we want is we want the inside of us to match the outside of us. We want to be people who live on fire for God, where God's fuel actually enables us to be the people that God called us and is calling us to be. Okay, so I think we have to ask the question, what causes someone's faith to be lukewarm or cold? Because I think we need to acknowledge in humility that each of us uh, is susceptible to be drawn to the lukewarm life. And there are a lot of factors. I want you to think about your life for a moment. When have been times when you have felt the fire within you wane? You know, I know that disappointment is just a huge factor for people. How many of you have ever been disappointed? Oh, wow. Okay, great. So you understand. Disappointment can lead us to feel that fire kind of getting shut down inside of us. You know, whether it's a physical healing that we're hoping for that hasn't come through, or maybe it's a restoration of relationship, or it's a financial breakthrough, when we are disappointed, it's a real factor in dampening people's faith. Okay, secondly, busyness. You know, we're really good at filling up our calendars with things. We don't even let space in our calendars to allow the spirit to move. And honestly, the pandemic has been the perfect excuse to actually just be non-committal. And I think today, God's actually asking some of you to make a deeper commitment to him, to maybe make a deeper, deeper commitment to this house or to a small group or to a ministry that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about. Because busyness, it can actually dampen our fire. You know, circumstances, they can affect us, um, obviously, right? Pain and problems. When we face pain and problems, it loops us back to disappointment. And so all of these different things, they can affect us. They can cause us, our faith, to be dampened. You know, when I was in college, I went to a Christian college, and uh, it, it was a great school, but it was a different denomination than what I was raised in. So I was raised vineyard. I've been a vineyardite my whole life. I told you about Toronto. You know, I'm used to like raising my hands and being really expressive. And I go to this Christian college and we have mandatory chapels and everyone's really stiff. And I'm like, oh gosh, I'm a fish out of water here. So then I try to find a church, right? Because I'm, I'm a good church kid. I'm a pastor's kid. So I visit a whole bunch of churches. I cannot find a church. And so I will admit that I attended Bedside Baptist more times than is recommended. You heard about, okay, so if you haven't heard of Bedside Baptist, that's just when you sleep in your bed and you don't go to church. Um, because, <laughs> and, and really what happened, so I'm in college and really I go through kind of a spiritual desert. And, and what can happen in these times, like when we aren't connected to community, suddenly we can find ourselves in a spiritual desert. And this is actually really, it's frightening. And the good news for me was that the Holy Spirit protected me, and I didn't do anything crazy or dumb or dangerous, but a lot of people do. And so our, the heat that we have, being on fire for God, it's an important part of growing up in Jesus. We actually want to live lives on fire for God. We want to live on fire for God in every season, every circumstance, and every stage of life. We want to be on fire and stay on fire. And so actually, that's the question that we're going to explore together tonight. How can we, in this world, in our culture, stay on fire for God and the things of his kingdom? Okay, so I have a confession. I love a good hack. Like, I love a good trick to, like, make my life easier. And, you know, they're always, like, clickbaity, right? Like, you're, like, Okay, five ways to get your preschooler to actually eat food. Okay, 
I mean, she goes to the bathroom, so something is going in. I'm just not sure what it is that's coming out. She's my fourth child, but I had her in my older age, and I'm not the same mom I was, so I need her to eat. Or how about like three ways to get your spouse to stop snoring? Are there any like snore support sisters in the house? Yeah, like listen, I've done the prayer. We're on to the sleep study because I just can't. Okay, I can't. Okay, or like you know, like six ways to get your email. Under control. It's like some days I'm like I'm doing amazing, and then other days I'm like I should just start a new inbox. We should just delete that one and start a new one. So you get the picture, right? It's like this idea that there is something that's going to make your life easier. Easier. There's a surprising secret that you don't know about. Well, guess what? There's a surprising secret to staying on fire for God. To not only being on fire for God, but stay on fire for God through thick. And then, are you ready for the surprising secret? Okay. God's love. Wow. Guys, I can tell you're not excited. <laughs> and actually, I'm so glad because I knew you weren't going to be excited. Because we all want it to be something different. We want it to be a fancy checklist. We want it to be something that you've never heard of before. Because a lot of us have felt disappointed in our experience with God's love, but actually, God's love is the only way that we get on fire and that we stay on fire. And so, I want you to think about your life for a moment, and I want you to think about the seasons that you've actually been on fire. And I guarantee you, in those times, you had a radical experience with God's love. Now. The secret to actually cultivating this in our lives is twofold, and this is what we're going to talk about. We need to receive His love, and we need to remain in His love. Now, I was a, a reading teacher. This girl loves alliteration, so I had to go there. We need to receive His love, and we need to remain in His love. And so, I've actually titled this message "Chasing God," which is, of course, our bigger theme. But on fire. In love, this is the surprising secret to being on fire for God. So let's first look at what it, what I'm talking about when I say let's receive God's love. So, to define receive, receive means that we take something into possession, we get something, or we are given something. It means to acquire. So to receive God's love means that we get God's love. We take it, and it becomes ours. Now I'm going to read to us a prayer from the Apostle Paul、um, in Ephesians three, and this is going to be one of our texts tonight. And this is actually a prayer for spiritual growth in our lives,、um, because he, Paul, wants us to understand the incredible power of God's love. I, I, I promise you, this is like the best kept secret that's in the Bible. People do not understand the fuel that is the love of God. God Himself, He is actually the source of fire, and we need to live intimately with Him. And what we need to do is we need to receive His love. And one thing I want you to note as I read through this passage is I want you to note the work of the Trinity. You know, we have a triune faith: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are co-equal, they are co-eternal, and they work together in unity and harmony to help us understand God's incredible love. And so, I'm going to read Ephesians 3. I'm going to start with verse 
Um, if you want to go there on your phone or in your own Bible, you can do that. I'll give you a second. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, but you can follow along with anything. I'm going to read about five verses. This is Ephesians 3.16. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Listen to this. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. This is a powerful, powerful passage about God's love. Okay, let's just take a little bit of time and unpack some of the things that Paul is talking about here. First thing he says, God has unlimited resources. One of the reasons why we end up losing some of our fire is we face problems. And when we face problems, we can either lean into God or we can push away from God. And I think what, what the Father wants to speak to each of us tonight is no matter what our circumstance, no matter what we're going through, he has provision for your problems. And I love this. Paul goes on to say that God is actually going to empower us with inner strength through his spirit. So his spirit is actually going to fuel the fire and be our helper. As we trust in Jesus, he's going to make himself comfy in our hearts. He actually moves in. This is when we first receive Jesus, when we first receive his love. Jesus actually died, and we died with him, so that we could become a fit dwelling place for the Most High. And what Paul is saying here is that as this relationship grows, what happens is our trust goes deeper into him, and we begin to understand how deep God's love is. And it's God's love that's actually going to keep us strong. It's going to keep us staying ablaze. And this love, it is, it is crazy. It, it is deep and it's wide and it's long and it's high. And does anybody else want to sing with me? Deep and wide, deep and wide, there's a fountain flowing deep and wide. You are so welcome. That is like, you know, the Barney song and, uh, <laughs> right though? Like this love, we cannot comprehend it. And you know what? We, so many of us, we try to do everyday life without this love. We wake up and we don't even think to ourselves, I need your love today, God. This love is the fuel, and we must receive this love. Paul actually goes on to pray. He goes, I pray that you could understand and experience. So this is both and. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, you know, you got to show me in the Bible. And that's good. God gave us a brain. He also gave us a heart. And actually what Paul's saying here is he wants us both to understand and to experience. And I would just say that understanding and experiencing is receiving. We want to receive his love. And when we do that, did you hear what Paul said? We will be made complete. This is the message of the gospel. 
that God loved us so much that he sent his son to save us, to bring us into a family, to restore our identity, to give us a new destiny. And the world, the world that's out there that's saying, pick this, pick that, your truth is your truth, what they are longing for is completeness. They want to know who they are. They want to know what they're made for. And they think that if they put themselves at the center of their lives, they're going to find it. They're never going to find it. They're never going to find it. Because the only way we are made complete is in him, is in his love. And when we're made complete, oh my word, what happens? Jesus, working with the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit, they actually do more than we could ask or imagine. I actually think this is what the world is longing for. When, when, when we actually kind of choose to go our own way, that what we're trying to do is we're trying to like, we're trying to get that life. We're trying to get the life that we, that we can only imagine. But the way to that life is actually through the love of God. Receiving the love of God. The stuff that keeps us from receiving God's love is the same stuff that makes us grow dim. There's not that many dilemmas. I'm a dilemma-driven person. Like, tell me the problem and let's fix it. I mean, it's the same things. We're stressed and overwhelmed. We don't feel worthy. We're trapped in sin. We're confused about or unsure of how to experience God's love. You know, for me, one of the seasons that was really challenging to receive God's love was when I first became a teacher. Okay, so a little bit of backstory. Um, this is a bit of a rabbit trail, but let me just tell it to you because I feel like it might be for some young people. So when I was in college, um, I had a scholarship and when I was halfway through college, I really wanted to change my major and to um, go to a different school. So I wanted to be a communication major, and I was an elementary ed major. And my, my, I went to my dad, and I told him my whole plan, and he told me, no. And I said, this is such a good plan. He's like, this is a terrible plan. You can communicate every day as a teacher. You're staying in school. Okay, fine. So I stay, and I get my education degree. So then my second attempt to get around this part of my journey was that when I came back, I got married, I came back to the area where my family was, um, I was trying to get a teaching job, and it was very hard to get a teaching job at the time, which is really tragic, because right now I could probably go get a teaching job today. Um, it was very hard. We live in a university town. I couldn't get a job, so I went to my dad, and I said, Dad, hire me for the church. I really want to work here anyway. And he said, no, go get a real job. <laughs> Which now I'm like, okay, I should totally have been way more offended. So I end up getting this interview at a middle school, for a middle school position, and you guys, they hired me like on the spot. Now that was my, that was clue number one. That was clue number one, this was going to be really tough. Okay, middle school jobs are not like, you know, the most prestigious. So I, I, I become a sixth grade reading teacher, and I passed all my, you know, credits and tests and everything. Literally, I had no idea what I was doing. And I'm like, they don't know that I'm a kid. I mean, I was 22, but like, I was totally a kid. I, I had no idea what I was doing, and I was so overwhelmed. I, I my, fit, my faith went flat. And I felt like I could not hear God. I felt like I could not. I mean, basically, I cried every single day after work. And I was a newlywed. And I married, like, the calmest. Like, if I'm high energy, like, my husband's, like, calm, self-assured. Like, everything's going to, he didn't know what to do with me. He was like, oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? So 
during this season, I am like, I'm down in the dumps. I am stressed. And I think today, some of you, you have been in a stressful season, and you're kind of beating yourself up because you're like, I want to be on fire for God, but the stress of the season has actually just like sucked it out of you. And today, I just think the, the Holy Spirit is here, and he wants you to know that he's here to reignite that flame in your heart. I was desperate. I was like, I didn't really want to go to church. I didn't want to do things. I felt so flat. Well, two things. There were two things that I felt like I needed to do. Number one, Mike and I began to pray together every single morning before I went to work. Secondly, I began to journal my thoughts, my feelings, my fears, and it really began this beautiful journaling journey that I've been on for many, many years of recording the things. And you know what happened? I experienced God's love. I understood his love. As I partnered with him in these very simple disciplines, I positioned myself to receive his love. Some of us right now, we're like, well, I, I want to feel God's love, but I don't know how to feel God's love. I can't feel it. I can't feel it. Can I humbly suggest to you that you need to position yourself to feel God's love? You need to actually position yourself. You need to say, okay, God, I want to understand your love. I want to experience your love. And you know what happened? God, he got me on a much better path. And I went on to do that job for four years. And he gave me this incredible vision for my classroom, for praying over my classroom, for my students, for my coworkers, for the deposit that I could make. And now I will be the first to say that my dad 100% made the right decision to make me get that job. And some of you right now, you are in a job you do not like. And I think today you, you feel pressed down, you feel dampened, you feel like I wanna be on fire, but I'm just not. And I think today the Holy Spirit wants to give you just a fresh vision for the mission that he's called you to. You get to go on mission with him every single day. You see, we are invited to live in his love. And the key to more in our life, if you want more, it's love. The key to actually being on fire is to be in love. And I think each of us, we need fresh encounters with his love. He is the source of power in our lives and that power is love. And when love becomes the source of power, we actually say no to the other power sources. We say no to self being the source of fire in our lives. That is a surefire way to become lukewarm or cold. You know, it's Jesus that tells us, trust me. It's self that says, take charge. It's Jesus that says, rest and receive my love. And it's self that tells us, you're on your own, you gotta make it happen. And so we want to position ourselves to actually receive his love. And later on tonight, we're actually gonna pray this. We're gonna invite the Holy Spirit into the room. We're gonna invite God's love to give us a fresh encounter, a fresh filling of his love. You know, I wanna encourage you and I wanna demystify this. Positioning yourself to receive God's love could just actually be saying, you know what, every day I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna do a simple prayer. God, I receive your love today. That is a prayer that will change the temperature of your faith. God, I receive your love today. Okay, so the second part of this equation, after we receive his love, we want to remain in his love. Okay, so remain simply means to continue to possess, to stay in the same place. So if we remain, we stay. What good is receiving something amazing if we don't remain in it? 
Honestly, this is where I see a lot of Christians fall into lukewarmness or even leave the faith. They have a powerful encounter, a life-changing encounter with God. They experience something amazing, and then they don't nurture it. And if they don't nurture that relationship, if they fail to remain, what happens to the flame? It goes out. It dies down. Now, I am incredibly grateful that I got married before Pinterest was a thing. That's right. You know, back in 2004, you went to David's bridal, you printed your own uh, invitations on some kind of not great paper. I thought I was a graphic artist for a short time. You had a modest budget, your family was the, take, the clean up and tear down crew. I mean, it was just very, very simple, right? And now with the rise of social media and all, like everyone like ooing and aahing over everything, there's just a lot of pressure. And I have now seen and I've married some couples who pour their heart and soul into this one day. I mean, there are spreadsheets upon spreadsheets upon spreadsheets. Every detail is thought through. So much attention is being put on the wedding day and not very much on the incredible covenantal marriage that they're about to enter into. And I think this is what happens with many of us when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. You know, we have these mountaintop, you know, conversions and God came through and he changed my life. And then we don't choose to remain in a place of intimacy with him. We pull away from him. Again, based upon a lot of the same things that we've been talking about. You know, what makes remaining so difficult? Well, one, uh, we're disobedient. I mean, I have a three-year-old, so like I'm always like, you know, it's like a hand on the hip. She thinks she's 13, but she's three. You know, so we're disobedient. We want to do things our own way. And so when God tells us something and we, we disobey, we push, we, you know, we push away from him. We struggle to remain when our experience does not match our beliefs. This is real. I had some incredible conversations with Anne earlier about healing. And, and, and this is really challenging, right? When you are a church, when you are a people who believe in healing, and then healing doesn't happen, that damages your faith. Your faith is tempted to dampen. And so I was asking her questions like, how did you lean in? How did you press through that? Because I've seen for a lot of people that when their, when their experience did not match their beliefs, they push away from God. And they struggle to remain in him. You know, uh, about 15 years ago, Mike and I wanted to start our family. And uh, my parents' story, my parents are the ones who founded our church, have an amazing story of how God healed them from infertility. That was not the story I wanted for my life, okay? I was like, Lord, pick another problem. But I got diagnosed with something called PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And some ladies might know about this, but it makes getting pregnant difficult. And as soon as we wanted to try to have a baby, I had a whole bunch of trouble. And I was angry. And I was like, God, you say you're a healer. I know you did it for my parents, and it's an amazing story, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. It's not the story that I want, God. And what did I do? I kind of pushed away from God. And I felt my fire begin to dim a little bit because I, I wanted to control that part of my story. It's hard to remain 
in his love when you're in pain. It's hard to remain in pain. I didn't try to do that, but you know what I'm saying. Remain, remaining is hard when you're in pain. And I think we need to be realistic about that. That's one of the, some of the reasons maybe tonight you're, you're, you're like doing some self-reflection, like, okay, where am I at? Where is my faith level? How, how can I become more on fire for God? I think another issue of why remaining is hard is because it takes effort. And there is pruning involved. Ooh, pruning, kind of an interesting word, pruning. What is pruning? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about it um, because um, that's what our passage actually is about. John 15, I'm going to read part of this passage And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. This is John 15, verses 1 to 11 about. I don't have time, though, tonight to go into it deeply. Can I encourage you to go back and to read this passage this week? The Bible is alive. I hope you read the Bible. It is such an incredible and precious gift from God. And so I'm going to read a few verses we're going to talk, and then I'll I'll read a couple more verses. Okay. Verse 1. I am the true grape. This is Jesus talking, just to set the stage in context. Okay. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that actually the Father is the master gardener. And he cuts off branches that don't produce fruit. These are bad habits, they're hang-ups, they're addictions, they're things that actually keep us from the full and rich and fiery life that God has for us. This is hard, this is painful. This is like when the Holy Spirit says to you, hey, that's not what's best for you. But he doesn't stop there. This is what's even harder. He goes after the good stuff too. And he actually prunes that back in our life so that it will produce even more. Now, listen, I don't have a green thumb. I can't keep a plant alive. But my father loves plants, and we actually live across the street from my parents. And my dad's favorite hobby is to go around and trim neighbors' bushes that he judges that they should be trimming. So, yes, yes. Okay, so, like, I want to tell dad, like, we do have four kids. We are running the church that you started and ran for years and years and years. Like, give us a little bit of break. But when we first moved into the house, my husband was shocked when my dad showed up and was just, like, out front, like, He's a saint. You have to have a special relationship to live close to your in-laws, but he's amazing. Um, So one day, though, I go out there, and, like, some of my favorite bushes, like, they're right in the front of my house, and my dad is, I mean, it's just, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I know you love these. And I was like, oh, they're ruined. They're ruined. And I was like, I was trying, I knew he was trying to be nice. I was like, okay, thanks. Well, then, lo and behold, like, three months later, they look amazing. And my dad's like, yeah, that's pruning. See, I think some of us, the Holy Spirit has had us in a season of pruning. He's had us in a season of, of cutting some things off. And we've, in, we, we've actually, like, if, if we would lean into that, our fire would actually be fruitful. 
that I, I, I think that what the Holy Spirit is saying is he's saying, listen, that pruning, it's me. Let me do this for you, and actually you're going to produce fruit because if you remain in me and I in you, you will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nada. Not a thing. But if you remain in me, actually that's the secret to all of life. I am the source. I am the fire. Stay close to me. That's how you're going to burn blaze, a blaze. That's how you're going to stay on fire. That's how you're going to chase after me if you remain in me. You know, it was almost a year into our journey with infertility that I really felt like God began to challenge me and say, listen, I am in this and I am cutting some stuff off you and I want to invite you to participate. Do you want to, do you want to participate? And when I said yes, when I submitted to that, I actually found so much freedom. Now, my healing didn't come right away. It was totally a process, and I don't want to sugarcoat it. A lot of pruning. The part about remaining in his love can be kind of painful. And so if you're in a painful season, I want to say I see that and I understand that. I think Jesus tonight, again, he wants to just bring a fresh dose of his love so that you can see that remaining in him is actually the way to living the life on fire. Let's finish that passage. This is uh, skipping down now to about verse 7 to 11. If you remain in me and my words in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you, listen, obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, joy over your joy will overflow. This is an amazing promise that if we remain in his love, we're going to be able to ask him for anything we want. Now, this does not mean you're going to get everything you want. That would be a misinterpretation of the scripture. But I think what Jesus is trying to say is that as we stay close to him in intimacy, we're going to have access to all the things that our hearts desire. And I want to just encourage us to remain in his love. How do we do that? He was actually pretty clear. Obey his commandments. Jesus says, this is what I have done. Jesus is like, hey, I went first, man. I'm the model. Now you do it too. Obey my commandments. And for each of us, this is one of the places that we step out of that remaining place. We, we don't, we disobey. And so for me, like when I was struggling with infertility, the Holy Spirit actually gave me some really specific things. He said, every time someone announces a pregnancy, you are to celebrate as a sign that I am a generous father. He told me, you know what, I want you to read all the stories of the barren women in the Bible. I want you to worship and I want you to journal. I want you to do these things as you're waiting for me to move. And I obeyed. And when I obeyed, when I remained in his love, he met me, and it was a cold December day in 2007 at 5.30 in the morning when I took a pregnancy test, and I saw that God had answered my prayers. Now, I didn't believe that, so after school, I stopped at my mom's and took another test and made my 18-year-old brother go read it. Now, he'd never seen a pregnancy test, so there was a lot of confusion. But here's the crazy thing. God actually healed me completely of PCOS. I never had another symptom, and I actually went on to get pregnant three more times, one time accidentally. Yes, the Lord does have a sense of humor. Because if you've ever struggled with infertility, it was always the stories of like, we weren't even trying, it was an accident. And you're like, well, good for you. And then I was like, guys, 
I accidentally got pregnant. But it was the Lord. We call her our bonus baby because, you know, she's not really an accident. But this is what the Lord did to me in that season. What he did was he gave me a heart and a passion to pray for people with infertility. He gave me a heart and a passion to walk with people as they walk through pain, as they face disappointment, as they struggle to remain. The Holy Spirit wants to meet each of us to give us instructions to help us see what he's doing. So my question right now is, have you remained in God's love? Have you distanced yourself from his love? We want to live on fire for God. And so what we have to do is we have to receive his love and we have to remain in his love. And I just want to just take just a moment and just bless your church. This is an amazing church. The Lord is here and he is doing things and he is working in Mishawaka and South Bend and the surrounding areas. He actually wants to partner with you. He wants you to be on fire for him because you know what happens when we receive his love and we remain in his love? We reflect his love. And when we reflect his love, do you know what happens? We reproduce his love. And more people come into the kingdom of God. And I believe that there is much that God wants to do in this community through this church. I loved the risk that you all took during worship to pause, to ask the Holy Spirit what he's doing. I believe that you are an army called by God, commissioned by him to actually take the good news of the gospel, that God loves you, that he has a plan for you, that he wants to bring you into right relationship and give you a new identity and he has a destiny for you. I think that this message is supposed to change this landscape, change this community, and each of you is invited to participate in that. But the only way that you're gonna stay on fire for God is to be in love. On fire in love. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.